We all do it. We scroll through our feeds, seeing people who have been in and out of our lives. We see their causes, beliefs, and sometimes even a moral compass, show-offs. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in the story behind the pictures. I think it's time to have a conversation. All right, well, for you guys tuning in, this week's guest is someone that I admire. She's sensible and relatable. She gives incredible and pertinent advice to me and many others. Um, We've become invested in one another's cannabis careers and have collaborated actually on a project together. I'm so thankful that she took time out of her busy schedule to spend it with me, and I'm looking forward to getting to know more about her. Welcome the mama behind Instagram's Weed Mama, my friend Shannon. Thank you so much for being here. Very happy to be here. Finally, oh my goodness, good to hear your voice. <laughs> Likewise, yeah, not just on videos, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and just chatting in text. Yeah, that too, that too. How did how did Weed Mama start for you? Well, um, a couple of different ways, but the main way was just my husband and I have been in. in, in thinking about getting into cannabis industry for a while now and we wanted to open a dispensary. So we actually had an investor. We had a friend who was an investor and he was going to invest and we were all ready to do it. And then um, they they started changing the laws and then they had a a very expensive license and they thought, you know what, forget it. We're going to wait and see until legalization happens. And then I just decided, you know what, I'm going to run a website. Um, Just teach people about cannabis. And then, yeah, the idea of me calling myself Weed Mama came because I was on uh, just scrolling through Facebook and, you know, there's the Wine Mom, the BuzzFeed yeah. segment. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, li- I like her segments and I think she's funny and she's relatable, but uh, it just made me think, well, where's the Weed Mom? And yeah. And so that's right. I, I first was going to be Weed Mom and then I'm like, nope, Weed Mama is a little more ring to it. No, I love it. It's so good. So, so good. When did you, when did you start it? When did Weed Mama launch? Well, I launched the website in October and I went on right. Instagram about a week before you actually, about a July 21st, I think. Okay. I knew we were really close because yeah. we have a lot of similarities <laughs> and parallels running through our lives. And then this, this side thing that we do, <laughs> our passion yeah. project. Oh my goodness. Exactly. What? Um, yeah, so July. Wow. It's been crazy, hasn't it? <laughs> well, it feels like it, it's been a long time and that it hasn't been that long at all. But it's been six months. Yeah, and that that's kinda, wild to think about. I know. <laughs> I don't stop to think happened. about that enough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really has. What's been your biggest, like, oh, my gosh, this could be something moment? Just um, the press. When people, when news agencies start coming to me, it's like, oh, you really want to hear what I have to say? <laughs> and, uh, are you sure? You know, just like, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I wanted, of course. And, and I like, yeah, it's a good thing because I can now have a bigger audience and I can, you know, I'm trying to normalize cannabis and um, make it more accessible, the information, and, and it's nice when you get that kind of press because then you can reach more people. So that was... Yeah. That was a big one. I had a whole bunch today. I, I had a yeah. CBC radio interview this morning, and I no have a pretty way. big pub- and uh, I have a pretty big publication that um, a freelance journalist just text. Like I'm writing an email of 
uh, answering these questions. And I'm like, holy shit. I can't wow. believe this. But I, I don't want to say who yet because I don't want to jinx yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to wait till it comes out. But when I got that yeah. email dropped in my inbox, I was like, oh, because it was the, I haven't had any press since when it first, uh, when I first launched because that was around legalization. That made sense. Yeah. It was real close. So it's been, yeah, it's been crickets since then, right? So um, I, I've been doing things within the cannabis community, you know, our local community, talking to different people. But as far as the mm-hmm. press, no. But this one week, just in the past couple of days, I've had two. So that's not that interesting wow. how they both kind of came at once. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting you ready. <laughs> getting you ready well, I for think sure. It, I think that the topics that they're really interested in, well, one was it's wine culture. It's right. uh, wine culture. I think this is starting to become put under the microscope now, under the spotlight, that it's gotten a little bit out of control. And mm-hmm. now that cannabis is legal, uh, there's this other option. And so women are more serious about it. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah. So the, I think they're just, yeah, trying to find out and they're really excited about it. The, see, the, it was very cute talking to the journalist this morning. She was very excited about it. And it helped her. And she said, oh, it's, showing them around in the in the news office and they were all excited to see your website <laughs> oh that's awesome I, just, I know it's so nice to hear and and it's nice to know that people are getting interested in it too yeah definitely yeah yeah a lot that's of gotta be scary though <laughs> at the same time it's, like it's, as exciting as it is it's kind of like oh my gosh I want to represent yeah. it right I want to you know say the it's right thing it's intimidating yeah, but it's okay. It's okay when like what we're doing, we're just talking over um, conversation. It's pre-recorded, so I know if I screw up, you can take out bad parts. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but, no, it's so but good. But what terrifies what terrifies me are the live videos. I don't do them, and uh, having to go on TV would absolutely terrify me. I haven't done that yet. So, okay. but I'm, I'm working up to it. So, doing these news interviews over the phone and thing, I'm working up to it. So. Yeah. No, that's exciting. I think people, people want to see your face though. You're so relatable. You are like, I was so thankful that I found you. And when I did, you just brought so much information and the education you can tell was like your main priority through all of it. And so I learned a lot. Um, I sent a lot of my girlfriends your way, you know, because I'm like, I don't know if she knows. So it's just really cool that, um, that you're able to do that. And I think when people can see your face and when you're comfortable with doing that, it'll be a very, very big thing for you, for sure. Yeah, I do a lot of videos, but I like them, I like them pre-recorded. So I can, you know, I don't know how, sometimes I do these videos and there's like 20 I did before that, before I put out the final one. Because (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like, no, I better not say that. Oh, no, because I I say things and I think, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. So that's the only thing. It just takes practice. It's like a muscle. You got to work it out. The whole being on the spot and answering questions. So yeah, what a good segue. Let's talk about working out. I saw that you got your workout in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How's it going? I, it's okay. Um, it's hard, but I knew, I knew I'd had, I had to do it, and this was the yeah. way to do it. Just put myself out there. So then I can't quit because I really wanted to quit today. Yeah. Really wanted to quit today. I just oh tired. I, you know how it is. You kids. All I want is a vacation. I don't want to do any more exercise. It's stupid diet. Just give me cake and Netflix, you know. <laughs> but oh, perfect Friday you know, night, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. But I, I, I knew, like, I know my health needs 
is screaming at me to, to do something. So it's time. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like what, I guess, are you started this thing called Fit Weed Mama. It's um, mm-hmm. a program within kind of your platform. Um, yeah. And people Get can sign Mama, up. I called it. Okay, sorry. Excuse me. Yes. And then okay. it started, it started January 15th. Well, after my son was born, I had high blood pressure, gestational high blood pressure, hypertension, uh, gestational hypertension, they call it, with both mm-hmm. of my kids. Uh, it's genetic. My mom had preeclampsia with both of my, her, me and my brother. And okay. with my son, it never went down. So, because I wasn't sleeping, I had a horror, uh, it's, it's, there's a whole long story there. But I want to hear it. <laughs> We could talk about that, but I'll just say that for the hyper hypertension part, it's just lack of sleep, the surgery, and a lot of things, and many years it went mm-hmm. on, and I I don't know if my blood pressure is still high, but a year ago it was, so okay. uh, I've had more sleep lately, but I have a lot of health issues, of stomach issues, just from a lot of anxiety, and um, just getting older, like you feel, I'm 45 now, so I can feel my body is yelling at me like do something now now is the time now 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 like I just okay feel it yeah so I had to do it and I, I knew it like it's one of those things that you know in your gut it's the time to do it because I see my parents and they're aging and you know a lot of friends around me were all aging and we, there's, there's these little health issues pop up and I could see I want to be older I want to live a long vibrant healthy life I don't want to be in a wheelchair or in a cr- walker or, you know, just disabled or, or sick yeah. all the time. So the only way to prevent that from happening is that I've had to care of myself now. So, yeah. Yeah. Is your husband on board? You said he works out like every oh, yeah. night, like after the kids. Yeah. See, isn't that frustrating? <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, see, so yeah, proud he's of them, but up. at the same time, it's just like, damn. <laughs> I, I know. My motivation. <laughs> That's the thing. He totally leveled up. So now I got it too. Cause he's like, he's on the floor every night. He could do like 20 pull-ups on a bar we have installed and uh, uh-huh. I can't even get my feet off the ground. And so it's just, you know, it's like, I, I, like, oh, damn, <laughs> I've got to do yeah. it too. He's like, he's got pretty good muscles happening. You know, he's getting really strong. So yeah. And he's, he's, he's religious about it. He does it every night. So and he just decided to one day and he just did. And it took him eight months of talking about it before he actually did it. So, right. <laughs> he, yeah. But then he did it and he has done it ever since. So I think he just needed to be there. Kind of like me, like I need to get it. I needed to be there and I was there. I was finally there. So, yeah. When that yeah. day happens and you just start, then you're like, okay, it, it sets, it sets it up to where it's just part of what you're going to do now for sure. It's just that yeah. starting is so, I don't know. I write about it a lot. <laughs> you know, it's like it's you just intimidating. start and you can, it is. It's so intimidating. So, so yeah. intimidating. Oh, my goodness. So out of that is, is how you started Get Fit Weed Mama. Am I saying it correctly? Because I'm going I just call it Get Fit Mama. It's just get a side fit, project. Okay. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just a side okay. project. It's like I'm not planning on turning it into any kind of business. <laughs> yeah. But it's been three fun. months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just a three-month journey that people can kind of go on with you yeah. and, and try for themselves. I think that's really awesome. 
Well, I figure if you put, if I'm going to put myself out there, you know, they can put themselves out there too, and then that'll motivate them as well. Because sometimes you just need that extra push, and mm-hmm. that's why I did it. And I thought I thought of it this way. I thought, okay, well, I'll do this. I know a lot of people won't contribute; they'll just kind of watch, which is exactly what's happening, and that's fine. And some people are contributing, but I didn't care. I just decided I didn't really care. I'm just doing this for me. And if you yeah. want to come along, you're invited. You know. So that's yeah. kind of my approach. No, I think that it's good because it's nice to see, like, another side of you. And I think, too, with the women in cannabis, especially the the moms within the cannabis community, um, I think that's, like, the perfect transition because they are so supportive, you know, and it is so new yeah. and it's kind of intimidating. So it's kind of funny how they go hand in hand, at least for me. Um, yeah. Definitely. Well, so. and then cannabis is included in it, too. Um Right. Which, yes. Yeah. Oh. So it's kind of kills, you know, two birds with one stone. It's like we can kind of get past the whole lazy stoner thing while getting fit. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I love it. The whole concept is so, so good. So, so good. Um, what, what is your goal ultimately with, with weed mama? Do you think, have you thought about like, this is where I want it to go oh, yeah. or yeah. Yeah. And the, the the goal lines keep kind of changing you know it's like as you, absolutely I, I started with one vision and the vision keeps evolving because I'm starting to see you know you have to kind of be in it to see where it's going to go because this is really new um mm-hmm. I mean there's people there are some there's some that have been doing it for a few years in the states but for us up in Canada this is pretty new industry where you know you have uh, these cannabis blogs and people talking and teaching about cannabis and such in a more mainstream way. So we don't really have any kind of guidebook to follow. So you're just kind of just seeing where it takes us. And I'm finding that uh, my approach is different. So I'm going to have to redo some parts of my website. I'm going to rebrand a little bit just mm-hmm. to catch up with, because I, when I started it, I had a different vision and now it's like evolved. So I have to kind of catch it up. But um, I really love what's happening with women in cannabis. That to me is where it's right, at. Yeah. And that's kind of where I've placed myself. And I think this website, I just want to focus more on that part of it, um, women in cannabis mm-hmm. and how good it is for us. Because it's, it is. Oh, These absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, what was your first um, experience with cannabis in <laughs> Sorry, I've told that story a few times today now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, no, no. That's no, that's funny. It's just, it's, it's. Um, I like that people ask that. So for me, it was when I was 18 and I had my first boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, we went to. So this is like, I'm gonna date myself. Well, I already said I was 45. 1992. <laughs> yeah. So that was like Nirvana just came out with their Teen Spirit. So this is total pot smoking music, right? Yeah. <laughs> look at me using the word pot. See, I'm going all the way I back know, to 1992 for you. Yeah, I just <laughs> played you. right back into 1992. <laughs> so, I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, me and my long-haired boyfriend, <laughs> sitting in a dream. Uh, he was in a band, you know, and played guitar. I mean, it wasn't that good, but, you know, it was the whole Seattle scene and things were happening. So, you know, we smoked a joint, and... I remember I was just sitting there thinking, and I said to him, 
I don't feel anything. And that's like the universal um, start button for cannabis. It's like all you have to do <laughs> is say that and immediately it kicks in. And so just as I said that, uh, and there was all these birds chirping and it sounded like they were right in my ears and they were okay. all around me. And I just started <laughs> laughing and I couldn't stop laughing. And then I just spent the whole afternoon laughing. I looked at commercials differently. I'm like, these commercials are hilarious. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it does yeah, unlock so, something that you would usually just find stupid to be just like yeah, hysterical. Amusing. Yeah. Everything becomes super amusing. And yeah, so I only ever really did it if somebody gave me weed. I never really went out and bought it myself because I wouldn't even mm-hmm. have known where to get it back then. Um, right. Because you had to go to dealers and if you're my – See, my husband, he knew growers. He 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 was right in the scene, right since he was young. I put that picture of him on Weed Mama, the Instagram page, holding his high times because he's like he's been a cannabis connoisseur since since the eighties, you know. Okay. So he learned. He's like taught me a lot about cannabis, and yeah. uh, now, and so he was my supplier then after because I met my husband when I was eighteen too. Like right before I met that boyfriend. And, oh, I didn't uh, know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and so my husband and I were four, are were just friends for four years, mm-hmm. and then we dated for one year, and then I moved in with him, and then we've just been together ever since. So wow. we have a long history. <laughs> yeah. And so how long have you guys been married? Since two thousand four. Okay. So, don't make me do the math. Um, no, you're fine. Yeah, what? You're fine. 15 years, maybe? I think we're going to 15. Yeah. Right so, yeah, there. but 20 or more for 20. How's 25? How old am I? Yeah, 25 <laughs> years. Jesus. <laughs> That's a long time to be it's one It's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's so wild. <laughs> I, I'm not there yet, but, like, uh, Simon and I have been married. It'll be 11 years in March, and it's just crazy yeah. to think about. You know, like yeah. again, kind of like that time. It seems like it hasn't been that long, but then sometimes it seems like, oh my God, I've known you for so long. <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy how that happens. Wow. Yeah, goes what a does lot. he think of? What does he think of all that you have going on right now in Instagram world? Uh, it's pretty nuts. It's a lot yeah. to keep up with, especially when I, I can't, I don't have any time to work. It's like I have a full-time momming it still. So I find that really hard to just be like, oh, you got to put out content every day. It's like, I don't, I can't, I can't. Yeah. I have to take a long time to write these posts and think about it. And uh, I have a sort of a way I do things on the weed mama one, but it's kind of like fit mama one because I can be a little more loose and, and not so everything doesn't have to be so polished, you know, but I try yeah. to keep the other one polished. So it's hard to, I can't keep up, but, but I like it because it has a lot of different, you can do the stories and then you can do the main feed and then you can do the lives and then there's the direct messages. And I, so there's a lot going on. It's like a very busy yeah. place, <laughs> um, but it's, it's also can suck you in a little too much. Um, yeah. Cause you know, how Instagram is, Instagram doesn't want candid people there and I constantly worry about them deleting me. So I don't want my whole, you know, everything to be there. So. Yeah. We talked a lot about this. Yeah. Towards like the end of the year, just kind of in messages to each other and then starting the mm-hmm. new year of just kind of like, how do you approach this? Cause 
I'm the same way. Like there's content that I want to get out there that I think needs to be out there that, you know, that I want to say. And then there's like, I want people to know who I am. So it's relatable, but Mm -hmm. I also want it to still be a brand. So it's weird. It is a lot of moving parts and how do you make that work? And, and how Mm -hmm. do you put your content out there where it won't be deleted? (laughs) You know, that's a very big concern. It's It's constantly finding new ways around it. It's like, I figure if I don't show myself actually using cannabis, like smoking it, yeah, um, maybe that maybe that'll work because maybe that's what they don't like. So I'm trying to see what the pattern is. Like, why do they delete certain people? And I think sometimes it's because they get too many followers and they just delete you. And I think other yeah. times it's just because they look like you look like you're promoting it and by using it or or selling it in some way. So right. I've yeah. only had one post deleted. How about you? Two. And then I was okay. shadow what banned. Okay, what were yours? Yeah, same. One, one, one was um, <clears throat> the giveaway, and the okay. other, that was a post, and then one was a story. And um, Really? A story, yeah. I didn't know they were so doing it, that. <laughs> yeah, and it. I was one of the, I used to, I like these little stories that I do. I put all the little rainbows and I do all these things. I was talking about Master Kush and how it made me feel good. And then it was deleted. I was like, what? And then I realized these both happened on the same day. And uh, so it was actually Jenna from Cannabom. She contacted me and and said, I I just want you to know that when you get your post deleted like that, it's not Instagram. They're not spending time looking at her post. This is somebody who reported you. And I'm like, Damn you, oh, little wow. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like you know, somebody, so somebody was just having a bad day and they were jealous of me and they had, they reported my post and they got deleted. And then after that, I got shadow banned and shadow banned is where you don't show up in any of the hashtags when you ha- use your hashtags, but right. it's like a, but my husband calls it the timeout. It's like a, a bot will put you kind of on a timeout. <laughs> that so is like, exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so you get 14 days, and then you're not shadow banned anymore. So it's, See, I didn't realize tricks. it was that long until you had told me that when I was shadow yeah. banned. Yeah, it's about two weeks. I don't know. What I mean. Yeah, so. It's weird, because I think after they do that, too, I notice, like, your um, the followers, like, fluctuate a lot. And it's so frustrating when you're trying to build something, because you don't really know mm-hmm. how to gauge it or read it. Like, is it me? <laughs> is it my content? Yeah. Or is it just I know. bots? And yeah. you just don't know. My, it's really, really hard when you put a lot of time into creating something, you know? Yeah. Well, I noticed the past couple of weeks, my engagement has gone to hell. I, what is happening? And then I found out that they just did an algorithm change. And anytime they do that, down goes my engagement. It's like half mm-hmm. of what it normally is. And uh, and yeah. I found out this new this new algorithm is making it so that only like six or seven percent of your followers see your content. So that's, that's frustrating. I, yeah, literally right before we yeah. jumped on um, to do this, there was a clothing store in the town that I live in that posted something about that, about how 7% of people are only seeing their stuff because of the new algorithm. And that's wild. If it's going all the yeah, way down to there, I can only imagine. Well, I don't know what they're actually doing, but um, they're changing some things, I think. They deleted a yeah. whole bunch of fake accounts too. So, yeah. Which I think, I think that part house. is good. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it is. They're cleaning house and they're just changing things. But anytime they do an algorithm change, and they do a couple of months, I think, or they do them quite frequently anyway. Okay. Yeah, my engagement goes down. One time it went up huge. So I was getting um, like 50 to 100 new followers a day. Uh, it yeah. was insane. I was like, holy cow, <laughs> where do all these people come from? And suddenly I was getting, and, and I think it was a news article too that had come out and that people were, uh, it was showing up in their face feeds and got put around. So they started coming into Instagram. And so I, so I jumped up huge. And then the minute I had a thousand followers, it stopped dead. Like I had yeah. nothing. And then it was like really like the work, like, like I just started, it was only a couple of days of people. And I thought, what is going on? And that was when that was an algorithm change right there. Okay. That's so, good yeah. Because I get so in yeah. my head about it. It's so hard not me too. to. When yeah, you're, me too. When you're, you know, but spending whatever I, little time you have left in your day to create something, you want it to be able to be seen fairly. Yeah. Well, you can't you can't get hung up on it either. You just kind of have to put it out there, and people will see it, and it'll get around. And Instagram is is very limited. It's like it's very self-containing, so people can't really share your posts the way they can freely on other social media pro- platforms. So they mm-hmm. kind of can only see it on, uh, if they follow you and are on your page. So, and then it's really hard to get people off of Instagram and, and onto your website because that means they have to go to your bio and then they have to click on a link and they're probably not going to do that unless they absolutely want to, like if there's a real good reason. So I find that Instagram is crappy for that reason and other are better like Pinterest, because when they click on a Pinterest, it goes straight to your website. So uh, that's a good one to use, but yeah. What um, are you on other platforms besides the Instagram and, and Pinterest? Facebook. That's it. Oh, you are on Facebook, too. Okay. I didn't yeah, that. I don't really use it that much, but I'm going to start using it a little bit more, I think, because, um, uh, you know, it's easy to share stories on there or posts yeah. and, and have it be shared throughout people who even don't even follow you. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I've, I've thought about going back. And, I haven't been on Facebook for, gosh, oh, like well over a year. And, um, yeah, well, I think a lot of I people thought about dropped. going back, but yeah, Facebook has gone downhill. Has it? With all this, well, it's all the stuff that came out of Zuckerberg and how they were data mining our, yeah. our private information. And yeah, I right. think a lot of people are a little over, over Facebook. So yeah, I got off cause my family was driving me nuts. <laughs> well, there's that oh, my too. My goodness. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. care about everybody. I've got that opinion on everything so. yeah there's always that one that's like passively aggressively trying to pick a fight by po- posting certain things that he knows that, oh, yeah. that are gonna <laughs> gonna <laughs> trigger some people <laughs> and I just I'm, like, I'm like nope don't do it don't fall yeah for that and don't do it <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. it's so funny because like I'm, my family was very raised Midwest Catholic, like we've got the guilt, we've got the passive aggressive. That's like our MO. So you can only imagine when they're let loose on, on social media, it's not well, a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. Catholic. That's good. I had, um, I had Protestant evangelical. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was raised fun. Catholic, but, uh, that's not something I practice anymore. No, so. me neither. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. 
what um have you faced any like bias or discrimination for coming out on Instagram as Weed Mama or no? No. Good. Surprisingly, no. I was really waiting. I have it all in my head exactly. I know exactly how to respond to it. You know, I'm ready for it, but I haven't yeah. used it yet. And I've been on a few different media publications that you can add comments to, and I thought, hmm. So I've been waiting to see yeah. some, you know, busybody. <laughs> No, nothing. Yeah. So um, it's nice. That's to see. fantastic. I think, yeah. And what are they going to say anyway? It's legal now, right? In cannabis or in Canada, so you know, th- th- your argument's kind of flat. <laughs> you don't really have much to say yeah. about it. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You you said that the um, cannabis community in Canada, especially within with women, is um, been something that you've been really really proud to see. Talk to me a little mm-hmm. bit about about what's going on there? Well, I can see that there's a lot of um, women coming together in the cannabis industry. I just went to Vanderpops. They had, um, it's called Women in Need. It was a, mm-hmm. it was an event that they had. It was free. And so there was a bunch of speakers. The first segment was on, just on cannabis basics. And then the next one went think was parenting like how to talk to your kids and then there was one on cooking with cannabis uh, so they brought out the levo machine and then there was one about sex and cannabis and it was focused around women mm-hmm. and so it was an educational experience and um, I've been getting invited to a round table talk which was pretty awesome and it was all women incredible. and uh, yeah and and it was very when you're with a bunch of women we're all in the same kind of field and we're all kind of fighting our way through this. You know, it's very, it's very heartfelt and, and very genuine and deep conversation. And I, I, you walk away feeling so lifted and good and, and that's how I want conversations to be, you know, instead of yeah. the low, these kind of normal shallow surface dweller conversations that we normally have, it's nice to have to go deeper into the soul a bit and talk when you talk to women yeah. and, get a group of women together and they just kind of do that too. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that's happening for sure. I never really had like those um, deep conversations with women, you know, in my life. I several close friends, but not overall. And, and this community has just like well, changed that, you know? Yeah, okay. me neither. But when, yeah. once you start following, like once you're in, a field and the road, all of you are doing the same kind of thing and you're working towards the same goal. I think that's where the, the really deep conversations can come in with women. Yeah. And we're all working towards something. Yeah. Yeah. Even if we're all kind of doing it in a different way, it's nice to, to see everybody rally together for the betterment of whoever's trying to do such said thing for sure. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all get encouragement every day from, from somebody on there, which is, I don't know many other fields that you can say that about. Yeah, that's true. It's a very close-knit little community. And the women, especially the women, we all kind of seem to look out for each other, which is good. And I find I only really ever talk to women in cannabis. I don't really know any of the men in cannabis. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, a couple I don't either, of them, actually. Sure, I've never even yeah. thought about it. Yeah, that's true. I haven't yeah. even Well, they're not really my market. That. And I'm not – there are some. There's a handful. Like, there's a few that I know – that I've met and I've talked to and, and they're there and they follow my stuff too. But it's, yeah. 
mostly it's just women that I talk to. So, and that's fine because I think that this, honestly, this really is the future. It's just with women in cannabis. I think this is our, our field, our place. I just feel it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What does your husband think of what's going on? <laughs> with weed mama? With you, with, with weed mama, with, yeah, with how your oh, he's on side of your life like, has taken off. Yeah. Is he blown oh, away yeah, by it? Or? Yeah, he's good with it. I mean, he, he hopes that it can be monetized at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. Right now, it's, you know, to him, it's about like, well, that's great, but we just need to make money too, right? So, you know, he yeah. has the burden of, uh, he, he's the one with the burden of bringing home the bacon at the moment. So um, he just wants to make sure that they're, we're financially okay. But otherwise, he sees he sees the potential in this. He wants to help me with it. And uh, I want him to come on board too. I'd love for us to be both part of this. It's been my goal all along in the future is to have him there too. And then he'll also bring in the um, male side you know, the weed papas. Yeah, I love that. So there's a market there too. And, you know, I, I feel very, it's very one-sided, my site at the moment, but there is something there for everyone, but I do focus on women, but I'd like to have him come on board and then so that there's that side too. And, yeah. you know, he's like an encyclopedia of everything cannabis. Like <laughs> uh, he, he just knows a lot about it. So he could just look style. at a screen. And go full on nerd. Like he'll tell you exactly everything you need to know about like if it's sativa or if it's a hybrid or uh, what strain. Like if it's like he he just it's amazing. I'm not what really a good, good at that, resource. But... I'm jealous. <laughs> That's yeah. nice. Wow. Yeah. Do you do you try a bunch of different strains or do you kind of stick to like your select few or what? How do you? Well, approach it's that? hard to get the same strains all the time, so we we get what we can, but. Uh, we generally have a pretty big variety of them. And he likes, we like some of the same strains, but he tends to like strains are a lot stronger. And I, he, he, there's different strains, like me, Master Kush, Master Kush Ultra, um, it definitely my two go-to strains. Like they just work really well with my body and gelato tends to as well. He likes that one. And he tends to like a lot of strains. He'll be like, Ooh, it's a really good strain. And it'll just give me anxiety. Like not for me, <laughs> but you know, he, so, so we have a variety of them, so it's nice. So I get to try a lot, and I'm I would like to review them, but we're not there yet. So we have to. Yeah, wait. no, I hear you. Only so many hours mm-hmm. in a day. <laughs> well, with the reviews, it's also LP. There's a difference between LP and craft, the silver market we call it, and we're only doing silver market stuff. I haven't even bought LP stuff yet. Okay. Interesting. That's the I that's the that legal technology before. Yeah. Uh, L, LP is the legal one. So they're the, they're the ones the licensed producers. So they're the ones that the government says you can buy from basically, and everyone else is just like they call it black market, but we call it silver market. <laughs> so all the people that I were there that. before, yeah, they were there before. They were growing before the craft cannabis people, and and they grow really nice stuff. And so we still you buy it online. You used to be able to buy it in the dispensaries, and now they're shutting them down. So but you can still get it online because they want it to just be the government run. Now the different, yeah. explain to me like the different laws around cannabis, just kind of an overview. You don't have to get super deep into it, but the different provinces have different laws. Is that correct? I, Cause I don't yeah. really understand. Okay. I don't know all the different laws of the different ones. Some of the most 
harshest ones would be what I'm in. And um, Quebec has some weird laws. Like they're not allowed to have any kind of, um, what's that called? Graphics. So you can't wear a cannabis t-shirt and, you know, I think fashionablyhigh.ca is, I work with her a lot and her, I love her products. And uh, I think that was one place she said she can't really sell to because they just, they don't allow cannabis leads on things. Uh, As far as I know, I don't know if it's stupid law. (laughs) You can walk around with a a Budweiser shirt, no problem. Right. But Yeah. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of when you posted about, uh, I believe it was your daughter's school that uh, they did like a wine. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, can yeah, you imagine was, if that was. <laughs> I, well, next person. year, I, next year, if I see that again, I'm going to go in and say, hey, by the way, um, how about, you know, I'm pretty connected to the cannabis industry. How about some coupons for these things and see what they say? You know, oh my gosh. You should yes. do it. Because now I'm connected and I can I can maybe get um, a discount somewhere, get them with the school to raise some funds. If you're gonna do it for wine, why not weed? So yeah, Because yeah. what, what what was the what was their pitch or their sell on that? Was it like you spend so it much was, money and you? Well, it was for the Christmas. Um, so you know how you can buy from. I don't know if you guys have the same thing there. You have the catalog and you can buy things, and part of the proceeds goes to the school. So usually it's okay. things like Purdy's chocolates and there's, um, you know, a bunch of different little things. And, and yeah. this time there was, there was the, a wine. See, our wine shops are like our cannabis shops. They're all run by the government. There are privately owned ones, um, privately owned liquor wine shops and um, uh, beer and wine stores. But okay. they're separate. Like we don't, they're separate stores. Like you can't, there's not in grocery stores or anything like that. It's not like the space okay. where you can go into a gas station and buy a beer. You have to go to yeah. a special, special store for it here. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, so it would be, uh, it would be like a, if you buy from that particular store, part of the money will go towards the school. That's basically how it was. Wow. <laughs> so I thought, you know, liquor, really? Okay, fine. Let's, you're going to do the wine next year we're doing the weed and I'm going to find that, a way that, yeah oh my gosh I'm going to be following along for sure I hope that you are able to like do something if not I just want to hear the story <laughs> of how that goes well, I'm I so just, curious I'll record the conversation yeah <laughs> there we go hey. Hey. <laughs> maybe they'll be open I'll be pleasantly surprised if they're open to it and be like oh what a great idea okay I'm like yeah <laughs> finally oh my <laughs> gosh right I want to um, change directions just a little bit in, and talk mm-hmm. about childbirth and recovery because we had talked offline yeah. a little bit about um, you and you had a very traumatic birthing experience with your son. Yes. Talk to me about that. Well, okay, it goes, like with my daughter, I had um, the high blood pressure. I, I, I had okay. a midwife. I used midwives for my daughter. Um, because in where I am, they're covered under medical. You can get a midwife oh. in, okay. instead of going to an OB. So I decided to use a midwife, and um, and I liked it. And I think I was calmer that whole experience. But right in the last month, my blood pressure shot up, 
And so at 37 weeks, they induced me. And I was in the hospital for five days. I, I was being induced. I was in pain and I was cramping and it was really bad. And, um, you know, it took me three hours to push her out and I destroyed my pelvis. I had horrible back pain. Then we had to come back to the hospital. So you had jaundice. It was like a real mess. And so mm-hmm. when I got pregnant with my son, I didn't want to go through that again. And I talked to a friend of ours who um, uh, is a doctor. She works at a hospital and she said, she had a baby when she was 47, I think. Maybe she was mm-hmm. 45. And she just opted for straight to C-section, a scheduled C-section. Okay. She said, when you get to be of a certain age, the damage to your pelvis can be permanent. And, you know, you're better off just having the C-section. Just trust me on that. And, and I knew in my gut that that was the way to go because I could okay. schedule it at a, yep. at a right time to be, you know, with – um, my husband who can, then people around me can schedule their time off work so I could have help because I had my daughter and, uh, she was three. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I needed the help and I thought, okay, this is the right way for me. I know it, but I got to the OB and she talked me out of it. Like they, her and my doctor both said, well, you know, the second babies come faster. And if you, uh, have surgery, you know, you'll be laid up for six weeks. And, and so you'll be in pain. It'll be really hard with your other child and just want to let you know. And, and it doesn't come without its risk. And so they kind of talked me out of it. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go for the vaginal birth again. And um, even though I kind of knew in my gut that it wasn't the right way to go. So six okay. months in, blood pressure shot up again. And uh, we get towards the end of the pregnancy and it's just they put me on not the end I'd say the last it was in the third trimester later in the third trimester they they put me on high blood pressure medications even though I didn't want to go on it and they kind of pressured me and then after I went on it she's like well I guess you didn't really need to go on it it's like oh great thanks and uh I was in the hospital every week getting monitored fetally getting the fetal monitoring and um a week before I had my daughter, my son, um, my dad had, he had a heart aneurysm. It's when your heart, your aorta tears. And so oh he almost God. died. So he was in the hospital and that's from high blood pressure. So he's, mm. he was in the hospital fighting for his life and I was freaking out. And so that rose my blood pressure up even more. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So then they just, my, my doctor's like, okay, it's time to induce. And I was like, I don't want to induce. I told her that. I said, I don't want to induce. I was very clear about that right from the beginning. I didn't want to go through that again. And she said, no, it's the second baby. I promise you it's it's faster. Well, it wasn't faster. Uh, I, You know, cervidil, the rounds of cervidil. I don't know if you've had any of that. That they, they I don't know what that is. In, yeah, it's this stuff they put inside. It's like a thing they insert inside you to help loosen up the cervix to get it to yeah I've only ever had c-section so I've yeah oh okay yeah Yeah. so anyways they 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 put all this crap in you basically to make you come in to go into labor so I wasn't going into labor and I was there for a couple of days and in this uncomfortable bed not sleeping I'm like oh good two days of no sleep exactly what I didn't want and it was just a nightmare and I was angry and I was crying and I was going to the third day and so the doctor came in and she said okay we're going to start you on the pitocin that's the big drug tomorrow morning mm-hmm. and you know we're, we're going to get to some sorry you know that it's not working the way we thought and 
I was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I knew it, you know. Yeah. And so, and so I um, I started the pitocin the next day, and the whole time I was just trying to be like positive, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna have my baby. It never occurred to me that anything would ever go wrong, right? And and so I stood up halfway through the they were giving me the pitocin, and I stood up and I felt that pressure feeling like I did when I had my daughter, like I was gonna give, like I was my water was gonna break. And I, a whole bunch of liquid came out, and I thought, oh, yeah, my water broke. And I looked down, and it was just blood. And, I, and um, my, they all, none of them freaked out, the doctors and everything. They're like, oh, it's okay. You know, this can happen. It's normal. Don't worry. So they reassured me, and then I just sat down, and I lay down again for several hours. Nothing was happening, and I had another clot come out. And, um, and then finally my doctor That's comes scary. in, and she sits down. Yeah, and she sits down, and she's like, well, we're going to take you off the pitocin, I think, and maybe you should go home and, and just get some rest and and um, have some dinner or something. And I thought, hmm, okay, you know, because I just wanted out of there. Like, I was so yeah. done. And my mom only lived two blocks away, so I thought, oh, I'll just walk to my mom's and then I can, you know, maybe I'll get labor going. Mm-hmm. And then right before uh, I went, I, I was talking to my mom on the phone. I said, Mom, you know, I'm just going to walk over. She said, don't you do that. And she begged me not to. She begged me. She said, please, Shannon, please. Because my mother, she's a whole long story. (laughs) My mom and my grandmother have, they tend to have dreams that come true. Okay. So she had, she had this dream that I died and she, in birth. And so she's freaking out. And she's saying, she didn't tell me that though. She just basically was panicking and saying, don't do it. Please take a cab if you're going to come here, but please don't walk. And so I said, okay. And then, I decided to go to the bathroom and I sat down in the bathroom and a really large blood clot came out and I was like, Hmm. So I went in and I'm like, yeah, I just had another pretty big clot. And they're like, Hmm. Okay. Maybe it's best if you stay, I guess. And they were very um, casual about it. And I think it's because my doctor felt so bad that she put me through the exact same thing that I told her I didn't want. That you yeah, now, said, now she was this, trying to make this. <laughs> yeah. So now she was trying to make it better for me. And and she just was making bad decisions for me at every turn. And, and so, and, the, and I'm hoping that by telling this story, that if there is a pregnant woman listening and she's, she's going through something maybe similar or she just has some kind of feeling and maybe she's being urged to do something else, like listen to your gut. Because yeah. my gut told me the whole time that this is the wrong approach. And I didn't listen and I so wish I had. Because... They started back on the Pitocin. I decided to stay. I finally made my own decision. I said, no, I'm going to stay in the hospital. We're just going to do more Pitocin. We're just going to push this baby out. We're going to try, right? Mm-hmm. So my husband goes home, and uh, I'm there by myself because I figured it'd probably take a while. And then all of a sudden, now, have you ever had a really heavy period where you've been sitting for a long time, and you stand <laughs> up, and, and it kind of goes, yeah, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> that. So it felt like that, and it kept squirting out every few seconds, like oh my god, it was like blood. And I still wasn't freaking out; I was just still calm. But the the woman that was watching, she ran out of the room really fast. God, the doctor comes rushing back in, and she's like, "Okay, gotta go." And uh, and so and you're I was just rushed there off. by yourself. <laughs> well, I was rushed off. To, a whole team of people came in, and they rushed me off to surgery oh to the god. ER. 
And the, the whole time we had been in the hospital, we kept hearing codes. Like there was code red, code orange, code yellow, and there's code pink. And I'm like, code pink, what's that? Oh, that means a woman had to go emergency. I'm like, oh, no, that's bad. And then they're like, oh, don't worry. It turned out okay. So I felt okay. And then I heard code pink as I was being rushed in. And I thought, holy shit, I'm a code pink now. And, oh and you know how you see those those movies where you're, like, being rushed and the doctor's looking over you and there's, like, the ceiling tiles going past? It yeah. was, like, exactly, it was exactly like that. Exactly like that. I'm like, wow, I'm in a movie. So it was very surreal. I was very detached from it all and I wasn't yeah, afraid. Yeah, outer I, body. I just, yeah. I just assumed, okay, I'm going to have a C-section and, and, you know, I'll see the baby and that's okay. It didn't work out, whatever. And then, I'm, and so I'm, like, gushing blood still and I heard them say to this couple who's walking down the hallway out of the way and they look like at me oh. terrified because I'm totally bleeding and it made me laugh <laughs> so at least like I had a little bit of humor there I'm like oh, it totally made me laugh and like they must think you know they're gonna think oh my god this woman's dying and she's pregnant oh you know yeah and, then, and you're just like I love that about and you and I, I because I was weirdly so this is where denial can really help you is when you're in a situation like this. I was in denial of what was happening to me. And it's a good thing because it kept me from freaking out. Yeah. And then my doctor says to me, she's like, I'm really sorry. We're going to have to put you under general. You won't see your son being born. And then the devastation of hearing that took me away from all the other stuff. And I was so, in that moment, I thought, this is so unfair. This is so not what I wanted. I, I wanted the birth again. I wanted to hold him and hear his cry. You're telling me I can't. And I, and I was just so devastated. And I thought this wasn't supposed to be this way. Yeah. And so I got in there and they put me on over onto the emergency ta- or the table, the operating table. And I looked over and it was like this huge mound of like clots and blood. And it was still just coming out like gushing, as I said. Oh and there was all God. these people rushing around me. And this woman, she was pushing her oxygen out, mask on me really hard. And it hurt. And I just started panicking. And your husband's and, at home, right? Yeah. He, he he was rushing to the hospital at that point because I called him just before. But uh-huh. so the whole time for me going into there into the yard, it took a half an hour. So they were very fast about it. But for me, it just oh. seemed like an age, right? So yeah, I, you're watching it happen. Yeah. That's yeah, it was insane. happening to me. So it was like. So I yeah. I was bleeding, and then I had this. So the woman who was holding the oxygen mask finally just said, "Look at me, look at me. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Just look at me. You're okay. You're okay." So she made me feel more calm. So that was good, mm-hmm. and I'm really grateful to her for that because she. I really was panicking when you see like 15 people rushing around all like ashen faced. You know, it gets scary, and and I could feel the blood was just coming and coming and coming, and I thought, and then I felt my body go into real anxiety that I've never felt before and it's a fear that it's your body goes into real fear when it's dying when it knows that it's in danger you're it's weird weird thing it's like a primal thing and so I felt it and I felt like my body panic that I was going to die and I thought this isn't how I'm going down nah I'm not going down this way and that's right when the anesthesia kicked in and the next thing I knew I woke up you know, from the operation and I was asking for my husband and he came and he told me, um, yeah, your son, he was born. He's okay. He's, but he's, um, in the NICU and he had to be resuscitated. 
And that really hit me, and I didn't even think about him. How could I not think about him? I just assumed he'd be fine because he, he was showing strong vitals the whole time. Like, he, the, even though, like, he wasn't getting any oxygen or any more food from the placenta because it, it was a placenta abruption, so it tore away from yeah. the uterus, he was fine. He was happy as clam in there. So I just assumed he would be fine, right? And it, And that's when it really hit me hard what had just happened. And then I went back to my room. And my mom and my aunt were there and my husband had to go home to our daughter and they couldn't stay long either because they both had to go back to work the next morning. So I found myself alone and, and I was in horrible pain and I just had this hugely traumatic thing happen to me. And, and I went on Instagram and I posted a picture of my son that from the picture my husband gave me and I said, this is my son and I haven't met him yet and I hope he's okay. And I, I went through this thing and it's still on my Instagram feed on on um, the other side of my my private account now. Yeah. And somebody I didn't know, this man from Norway, I've never met him. He's just followed my feed because he liked my photos. He said the most beautiful thing to me. And I was like, I felt so good that somebody had reached out and said, you know, this is a, what's happened to you. It's bonding you closer to your son because I hadn't even met him. And, um, and he made me feel so good in that moment. Like I had somebody there who was watching out for me. Or, but that, it was like a heartfelt message. And I still have it. And mm-hmm. I'm still grateful to that man to this day for what he said. And then afterwards, it was just the pain and the recovery and just forcing myself to get up, forcing myself to walk, forcing myself to get that catheter out, forcing myself to get home, hold my baby. And, like, and I was just, it was just a disaster. And, and I finally did meet him. Um, the next day, it took me a few hours of asking to finally get him to come in. And then, and then he, I had my baby and then I met him and then things went from there. But then it was just hell. It was, I had lost a third of my blood supply. So I was on iron pills and I had no energy and I went home and now I have a three-year-old and a newborn and no sleep. And I had major surgery. I lost all this blood. I should have been in bed resting. Like if that had yeah. happened to anybody else. They would say, oh, you need to be in bed. You need to go yeah. to sleep. Like, you need to rest. No, when you're a mother, you get up and you deal with a newborn baby. You know, you have no choice. Right. And so I couldn't sleep. I couldn't rest. And I have never fully healed from that. I still, like, the scar where, where he was, it's still tender and sore. And I still have problems, so many problems, like with my pelvis. And, and all of that was an unnecessary. None of that would have happened had I just had a fucking scheduled c-section like i wanted you know and to this day i'm angry oh. about it i'm i'm i had I, a therapist so. and, i mean yeah. yeah i saw a therapist and we talked about it and i lied and then my husband then my after that my son did sleep he kept newborn hours why every one to three hours he sat until he was three and a half and and uh wow. so i never i've only really been sleeping properly for the past eight months so <laughs> that's good oh my but gosh he, yeah, so I didn't sleep and it and it took a huge toll on my body and I could never fully recover. So that's why my blood pressure never went down. I just could never really recover from that. Yeah. So after the fit mama thing, after three months, I'm going to go in and see. And hopefully the blood pressure is back down because that's the goal. But it's still it's like, uh, you know, so that's why I, I, I want to tell people that so that if you are pregnant and, or even not in any situation where you go into a doctor and you know, there's something 
and they're not listening to push your voice through and make yourself heard because you, it's when you're pregnant too, you kind of just know, like you know in your gut what's right you and you have yeah. to go with that. And yeah. I knew too, after my son was born, they had him in the NICU. And one thing I want to do is breastfeed. I couldn't breastfeed my daughter. I had flat nipples and so when she was small, so I pumped, right? Mm-hmm. I just pumped milk for her, but I never could breastfeed her. And I really wanted to do that with him. I thought, hey, this time I'm going to really try. And I didn't really consider the fact that I also had a three-year-old and how much yeah. that would be to have to try and learn breastfeeding and with, with I'm already disabled. So I knew when I brought him back and they said, oh, he's happy. He wakes and he feeds every three hours. He was happy on his formula. And I just, my gut told me then, to leave him on the formula and I wish I had listened to my gut but I gave him the classroom and I tried to breastfeed him and I went through the whole rigmarole I went to the, we have a breastfeeding clinic here and where they try and help you and I went through everything I did everything I could and then I developed this pain where the pain every time I pumped or if he was on it shot like a shooting pain up into my brain that was blinding and they called it migraine of the breast so I'm like, okay, oh my this is gosh, could women have like any more things? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. And I was still not sleeping and I was trying to pump and then I put on the nipple thing and I'm like, I can't do this. I just can't. And yeah. so I went through the heartbreak because he loved it. He's trying to breastfeed. He just, he just would go to sleep and it made him feel, I knew, I knew it was good for him. I just knew to my gut, like my daughter was okay with it. I think she was mm-hmm. fine the way she was, but him, he really needed that. I knew it. And I was heartbroken when I had to quit like I was so heartbroken I mean it was the last thing I had to hold on to was at least I could do that for him and I couldn't do that for him and I like I didn't get to see him born I didn't get to hear his first cry I didn't get to do skin to skin with him when he was just came into the world and now I don't get to breastfeed him either it was like all these things that just kind of hit me really hard and pissed me off too because yeah I, I knew well, that essentially I mean his his birth was taken away from you <laughs> I mean, yeah. your whole plan, that's a lot of trauma. Ugh. Well, and I, if I just had a scheduled C-section, it would have been perfectly fine. I would have just, I would have had a C-section anyway, and I wouldn't have had so much trauma to my body because they wouldn't have to do it so quickly, you know, and it's just, and under general, because that makes it worse. Because when you get a spinal done, you're, they numb the whole area where they cut in. So apparently that helps with healing. I was in excruciating pain, like excruciating for, it oh took me gosh. six months six months to get my strengths back. So, yeah. Wow. So it's just, and the, and, and I find that where I live, <clears throat> you know, it's a very liberal modern place, which is good, but at the same time, they tend to push these things like push vaginal birth, push breastfeeding, which is good, but there's cases like me where it's not good. And I wish that they would yeah. look at that more. And, and I wish somebody had said to me in the hospital, listen, I'm going to encourage you to keep up with, with the um, bottle feeding. You, you just had this major surgery. You have a daughter at home. Uh, you know, I don't know what your breastfeeding goals are, but, you know, and said that to me, and they would give me the permission to do it, right? Instead, I felt the pressure to, to breastfeed him. And I wanted to anyway, but, you know, and there was also the pressure to give birth annually because they have scientific evidence that shows that when you come out of the vaginal canal, there's certain things you get that you don't get when you're born C-section, but... So what? I mean, if it's better for the mother's health, if they, if they knew I had problems before, it's like, I think that's, you know, a viable option for birth that shouldn't be so scrutinized and looked down upon. Um, yeah. 
so I had the double whammy thing. So, you know, it's like I had a C-section and then I had a the formula feed and nobody, thankfully nobody said anything about formula feeding, but one time I put my formula up on this, the, um, what's that called? Where oh, my brain, when you check out in the grocery store. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah, belt, the belt thing. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I put it up there it. and, and the woman in front of me looks around, looks at the, the formula, looks at me, looks at me down, gives me this dirty look and looks away. And I, I've never wanted to tackle Itch. somebody to the floor and beat the <laughs> shit out of them more than I did in that moment. Like I was just waiting for her to say something so I could unload. Like I really wanted to yeah. unload all of my anger on somebody and I wanted it yeah. to her so badly. Yeah, <laughs> rightfully so. Oh my God. Yeah, didn't happen though. But um, yeah, so I saw a therapist unload. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, but that lady so, still deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Gosh. Did the hospital yeah. provide any, like, options for, like, post everything you just went through? I mean, like, or was it just kind no, of like you had they your... just... Wow. No, they send you home. There's, a like, a health nurse that comes by once a week to yeah. check on you. But um, otherwise, no. And you think about that, you think about like the trauma that was done to my body and how I should have had a nurse come home with me, but we don't live in that kind of a world. It's like, you know, money rules and um, there's just not enough money for these things. So if you can't afford it, can't afford to have, you know, a doula or somebody come in while you're on your own, you know, and it's like slower recovery, then you're not as good of a mother that might even help produce you know, not help or um, make breastfeeding harder so you're not producing as mm-hmm. much milk if you're too stressed out and you're not sleeping. All these things, like we don't have that tribe anymore. And I didn't have any help. Even though I live in a house full of people, they were just all busy and nobody was there. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a very, yeah. very, very dark, dark, difficult time in my life. Um, but a lot of that, too, led to where I am now. So, you know, it's kind of given me the strength. so isolating. It is. It was very isolating. I, I felt like, I, I can't believe this. My daughter, when she was born, I spent, spent the first night alone in the hospital with her and my son. I, nobody stayed with me either time. And the first time with my daughter was just stupidity. Like I just thought, oh, she'll sleep. She's a newborn. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> it's like, duh. Of course she's not going to sleep. But my mom went home, my husband home, and everyone home, and he should have stayed. Um, and I was pissed about that, but because yeah. I didn't sleep, and yeah, but there's just not enough support for women after they give birth. It really isn't, and it's a shame that we live like that. And I'm hoping that society gets its shit together and is, you know, better about these kinds of things. Because yeah, that was really harsh, and that, that's not even like I, I, I mean, my experience isn't even as bad as some of the women I've heard who went through what I did and then have to go back to work after a few weeks, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, so here yeah. at least we don't have that, but we have a year, but it's, and now we actually can make okay. it longer. Wow. You can make uh, it up to a year and a half now. Gosh, I went my, when my twins were born, I had them early. Uh, they came early and then they were in the NICU for like a month. Um, wow. So they didn't even get to come home. I was, it was almost a month. So they didn't get to come home. So 
I was trying to like pump and do all those things and go back and forth to the hospital. And I was still trying to work at that same time. (laughs) I mean, I went back to work, gosh, within like a month and a half after I had the twins. Um, Yeah. That was the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest mistake of my life for sure. The postpartum that came with it, what it did to my marriage, what it did to my mental health, like all those things. Um, Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. So you still struggle with the sleep deprivation now. You said it's getting a little bit better in the last eight months. But what, I guess, when it was at its worst, what, what did that look like? Like how long were you going without getting proper sleep? Um, Three years three and a half years uh it was like literally he woke up every three hours and so that would be on a good night um on he would go through stretches of time of just waking every hour and after a few months of that like I would hear on the talk about how they they try and um torture terrorists with sleep deprivation like oh yeah please give me your secrets there is no way you could torture me any more than he has. No possible way. <laughs> I, you know, I, listened, I, I I went through it. I don't know how I survived. I don't. I did, though. I did survive, but barely. I, you know, I had a lot of health issues. I ended up having a nervous breakdown. And just a year before I started being mom, I was in the ER from a nervous breakdown. From I had this basically just post-traumatic stress, I think. I had my blood pressure shot up really huge and I I um, called the heart nurse's hotline here and they said, okay, maybe you should just go into the ER and I did and the wonderful intake nurse sat me down and she's like, you're okay, you are. And she's like, you see, look at your blood pressure. It's high, but it's not that bad. And she's like, exercise and diet and once you get some sleep, you'll feel better. And she's like, oh honey, I wish I could take you home with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> take you home with me and let you sleep on the couch or make up a bed for you and be like, I'm like, please, Take you home with you, please. Yeah, I <laughs> want to so go. <laughs> My backpack. Yeah, <laughs> but she she made me feel so much better. Like just talking to me, she talked me down, and and I realized I was just having post traumatic stress, and that was just sleep deprived, and it was going to be okay. And um, and it took and he got better. It took about six months after that he started sleeping better. Um, and he's sleeping much better now. And plus, my husband takes the brunt of it now. He sleeps on the outside of the bed that he comes in and he kind of is quick and gets up. And so he's been taking the brunt of the lack of sleep for a while now, but back then it was both of us and it, oh man, there was just, every hour is just basically you're, you're living off of one to three hours of broken sleep a night and you go insane. Like I started going insane. I know I wrote things on my Facebook that were crazy. (laughs) Like I, I go back. I, I, I feel like I have to go write a letter to everybody saying, please forgive me for the time where I did not sleep. <laughs> no, 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 like, don't do that. You don't need to apologize to anybody. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, um, and then there was a time where I like, so I, I was telling you before metal music. So I've always liked metal music, but it's always been a side dish for me. Like, you know, it's not my main source of music. Yeah. But when I was going through the severe sleep deprivation, I started listening to death metal in the evening. I'm not <laughs> joking. I would lie down and I would listen to death metal. And now, to me, normally death metal sounds like somebody's been out on a bender and, and is hugging the toilet and throwing up and somebody's recording right. it and putting it into a song, right? 
But when you haven't slept and you're in that extreme part of sleep deprivation, it's like soothing. There's something there was something so soothing about death metal. It's wild. That's (laughs) that's how messed up I was from lack of sleep. Um, So I really got into this one band called Behemoth because (laughs) their music is really good. I still listen to it actually sometimes. (laughs) Um, But they're very, you know, they have that whole um, they're very theatrical, and I looked at it like like art, like a like a performance art, and and I just like their music and. And I, I kept thinking, like, I knew they were in town once, and like, oh man, because I knew the the I know the names of the band members, and so or two of them anyway. And so I thought, oh, all I want to do is walk down Granville Street with my kids and my old navy outfit, and and be like hair in a bun, and, and look total mom like Betty Crockerish, and have him walk by and be like, hey Ryan, <laughs> totally casual. <laughs> and I'm like, but then I thought, you know what? I bet he has a, they have a whole like subset of fans that are moms you know like, oh i'm like sure me, you know you know <laughs> like oh yeah it's the mom hey oh that's hilarious <laughs> i love yeah. that so i, I went and bought so like, this, this metal shirt that um but i didn't put the wording on it it's really hard to find metal shirts that are appropriate to wear on children yeah. uh, and i wore it to school and i wanted to just kind of feel like i was also going through the whole midlife crisis phase so yeah, I just kind of wanted to feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I've got the secret, you know, like this is yeah. a real like metal shirt. I wanted to see if anybody would know. Of course, nobody did know who that was. But but you, you know. showed up at that school looking like a badass, and that's all that mattered. <laughs> yeah, sort of. I had this shirt, but it had whales on it. Whales, and I wear it sometimes in my videos. It's whales with the planets. So it was like it's a band called Gojira, and they put out this album, and it's actually about whales. It's a good album, but it's also very heavy metal. It's so, it's so, you know, I thought it'd be funny. Nobody, of course, nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That is so Yeah, cool. you go through a phase when you're, well, it could be sleep deprivation as well, but when you get into your 40s, you start to panic. And you start to kind of go back to that time where you felt, kind of relive some parts of your use. Because I used to listen to a lot of, you know, Dressed in all black. They, now they were called goths. I don't know what they're called now. Yeah. No, they. I, I don't know what Back they're to, called now. I have no clue. But <laughs> when we were young, this is like 1989. It was dead chicks. We were called the dead chicks, yeah. and we were all black, and you know, black eyeliner and bright red lipstick. Listen to the Cure, Depeche Mode. You know, oh we had gosh, that look going woman on. Woman after my own heart. I like love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, that so, so much. And I was in the ministry, and I, I went to a lot of different shows, and my brother was into punk, and we, we both were like that. I'm pretty rebellious. And I was a lot of that rebellion against sort of our very religious upbringing, too. And Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> I started to relive that. You kind of relive that rebellious time in your life when you go into mm-hmm. your 40s because you just, you know, you start to feel like time the clock is running out you start to really feel that when you get into your 40s and you start to look at too like aging every year is is you just look so much older every year and you just kind of have to learn to embrace it but but you grieve it you you grieve the loss of your youth because when you go into your 20s and your 30s you look relatively the same and you 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 do change a bit but your face but once you get into your 40s you change and you have to get used to this new person who looks different in photos who you know it's it's weird. It's a weird thing. You know, you'll see one day when you get there. It, and it and it's 
it's something that you have to adjust to. And it's also this feeling like I only have a few good years left before I'd get old, you know? So, and that was part of too, the fit mama thing. Like I want to extend those years as far as I can. So your video that you made and your promo was just so beautiful. I love talking, hearing you talk about, um, your goals, you know, how you want to be that 85 year old woman, you know, that's just like ruling the world. (laughs) I was like, I was so, I, I understood that so much. And I know that so many other moms and women did too. Um, yeah. Yeah. We got to think about who you're going to be when you're old, how you treat yourself now is going to come back to you when you get old and you can't do anything about it. Then, then you're stuck with it. So it's like, now you really have to be aware. You have to try. You have to do your best to, to stop the bad habits and, and treat your body with respect or your body will yeah. completely break down on you one day. And I see it happening all around me. So because you get older, you, everyone else is getting older and you start to see the bad habits coming, re, re, you know, showing their ugly head. So... Yeah, it's yeah, such so, a fine line of, like, you want to be present, but you also have to, like, be prepared for what's coming. So it's Yeah, crazy. you don't want to live your life. I mean, you don't want to deprive no. yourself and be a crazy person. I wonder if guys person. have to go through this. Do they? I mean, surely they do, right? <laughs> well, yeah. My my husband didn't do it in his 40s. When he turned 50, he said it really hit him hard. Um, really? Turning, turning 50 hits you hard because that's, that's when you're old. That's sort of like that dividing line. <laughs> for me in my head too especially for women men can age longer like they can kind of yeah. just be you know rugged now they have some character like he, he looks kind of you know rugged and good for his age well women we just kind of look old and we don't though but that's how we're made to feel because women are are their our youth is very prized like yeah. young women are prized you know, women need to be virgins and they're married for the longest time. Like that was prized. And, and it's this whole thing. When you turn 50, you're just a grandma. Time to put on the apron, you know, time to put your hair up in a bun and, and make cookies and no, cakes. And thank just, you. No. You know, like, but that's sort of how you feel. Like that um, Amy, Amy Schumer had that skit where she, um, who was it? Um, what's her name? The actress from Seinfeld. Uh, oh, who played um, Elaine? Julia uh, Louis Dreyfus is that her? Elaine, yes, yes, her. Yeah, she, yeah. um, yeah, she, she was turning fifty, so they they were um, celebrating her becoming unfuckable. That's what they called it. Because <laughs> <laughs> once you get fifty, you're unfuckable. Like in Hollywood, you just become the grandma, you know. And it oh was this really God. funny skit. But I see, what I love is I see that changing now. Now you see these women that are all 52, 53, who are playing roles of moms in all these shows. Like, a lot of them are like Netflix and these kinds of shows, and you could see that. Like, House of Cards, I mean, leading, leading women, she's in her 50s. Yeah. And um, that other show, um, Ozarks, you know. I haven't uh, watched that Ozark actress. yet. Oh, it's a great show. Um, but the mom, she's in her 50s, and... Mm-hmm. You know that there was. Well, she's beautiful. She'll probably be beautiful until she's ninety. Monica Bellucci, mm-hmm. when she's in her fifty, mm-hmm. and she became a, a, you know, a Bond girl. So, you know, we're, thankfully, that I'm turning, getting, you know, peering down the tunnel of fifty. That you know, this is happening. 
So yeah. I can turn 50 and be, I can be 50 and fabulous for sure. There you go. So, yes, you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. What, um, what role did cannabis play with you dealing with post childbirth recovery, mental health, all of that? I'm just really curious well, when that came back into your life, it's like medicine. Well, I <clears throat> quit smoking cannabis before my daughter was born in 2008 because mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was giving me anxiety. I was smoking it and we got it from, you know, a guy who grew, but he grew strong weed. It was just a bad for me. Yeah. So I, so I quit and I didn't start up again for six years later until after my son <clears throat> was born. So I think he was, cause I quit breastfeeding. So I, I was probably, I don't know, maybe I was eight months postpartum or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, it's hard when you go through all of that. Sex is the last thing on your mind. You know, it's like, and, right. and I, but I wanted that part of my life back and, and sex, I just couldn't get into the mood and it was hurting me. Um, I'd had painful, I've had problems with pain and sex for a long time before, but, you know, after two kids, you know, it really is. And so my husband reintroduced me um, into vaporizing with a low, okay. uh, low THC strain and he put it on a low temperature and a couple of couple of hits and I'm like, hmm, I don't really feel anything. All right. Well, and it was very light, very mild. And then we got down to business. And then afterwards, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I just felt like velvet. And so I told this story yes. many times recently. I, I said, yes, I felt like velvet. Like, that's how I described how I felt. Because it always felt like pins and needles and pain and, and, mm-hmm. and little sharp pains. But this time it felt like velvet. It felt so good. And, and I, you know, and the kind of opening. supposed to, to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I call it feeling proper. Yeah. And so. Yeah, so I I had all I felt so good after, and um, that's when I just started back. So I first I started back just doing it when I wanted to have sex, and then I started doing it more because I realized that actually it calmed me down in the evening, so it was a good thing. And eventually, it just became my nightly routine of indica, bath, listen to music, and mellow out and chill, and for the evening, you know, and a lot yeah. of weed. The early days of weed, Mama. I don't know how it was for you, but at the end of the night, um, and at first starting my feed, I would uh, put on my headphones, do some indica, listen to music, and um, just come up with posts. And I, w- I did a lot of yeah. just art art posts, like they were like art posters almost. And I had fun doing it, and it was fun just being in my little cocoon and doing this art and putting it out there. And yeah. Yeah, it's Those so personal, days. but you know, like people can relate to it. Yeah. That's like my favorite yeah. thing to do is to get in the tub, smoke, <laughs> and yeah. write. That's where, like, I love to just sit and write um, when you, I'm like You that. write in the tub? Yeah. I, I sit there and just have my little tray and just go um, with my notebook. Oh, yeah, yeah, my notebook's always, always by my side. It's so funny. I've got them all over the place because I always write. And then some parts of that in some fashion will kind of go into – my content for microdosing mama, but um, mm. yeah, it's just, that's my release. It's something like everyone always said, Oh, you should write, you know, or you're a good writer. I was, I was complimented on that, but I never mm. took it seriously. You know, I was like, yeah, okay, thanks. Whatever. You know, that wasn't what I wanted to yeah. do at all. 
And then when you kind of spend time with yourself and you start tapping into kind of like your natural skill set, it's so addicting yeah. and it's so fun and you want to share well, it and it's exciting when you get to do it. Yeah. That's like the thing. So for me, I, I was photography and it was a hack, okay. a hobby for me and I never took it seriously. So, you know, I'm a graphic designer. I started as a fine artist and I purchased my dad. He's, he was like a madman, you know, only Canadian version. Yeah. And, and so I would go on, on set with him and he was shooting commercials and he would teach me things. And um, so, you know, I, I, I saw him and I, I worked with him and he taught me a lot of things about graphic design. And then, so I've learned a lot of different things over the years, plus reading and, and, um, and then so photography and all these different things that I throw into Weed Mama. And mm-hmm. so it's like all the stuff that I've been struggling with all these years, trying to make it go, never getting a go of it. I realized that, you know, all of that stuff that I learned now I throw it into weed mom and it all works so beautifully together. And yes. it's, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice when you see all of your skills gel together in some, in some fashion in a way that you didn't expect. Like I didn't expect to open a, a weed mama thing and, and actually have it, have any kind of attention like I really didn't yeah like it see that something. coming yeah I mm-hmm. always wanted to have a blog and over the years I've been coming up with different ideas I, I thought about doing a blog for you know family for living in 600 square feet and had all these different ideas that nothing really gave me like do I really want to talk about this all the time like nothing really grabbed me it wasn't until yeah. cannabis and then I thought yes this is my thing you know yeah it's something absolutely. I know a lot about it's something I'm passionate about it's something my husband is passionate about so it's something I, and then it's, I'm able to throw all of my background into it, like you with your writing. So, you know, people tell you, oh, you know, like for me, it was photography. Oh, you know, you should sell it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to sell it. I just yeah. do it for myself. But now I get to use all those photos and kind of re, redo them up and for what I'm That's doing. That's so exciting. That's really, really yeah. cool how full circle it comes. I love things like that. Yeah. And I love that you have the background and the skill set and like the design area and the website and all that stuff where we both have that background too, um, which yeah. now we get to utilize that to kind of build our own brand. And it's just so exciting to be able to like do that, you know, mm-hmm. and just like you said, see how everything just gels together. It's just a natural fit when, in, when you find it. And for both of us, it was, it was <clears throat> the cannabis industry, excuse me. And, you know, well, it's I, also I, me I when love you... seeing it. It's also me when you have spent your life working towards one direction in one way and, and learning all these different things and then finding that you're doing something completely different, but you're putting all those things that you learn into it. So, and that's the thing, like everybody out there who might be listening, it's, you know, if you're working on something, you don't think it's going to go anywhere. Maybe it won't, but it might be actually something used for something else in a different way. It's like Absolutely. you just never know how these skills will come to use later. So. Yeah, whatever you're going through right now is going to lead, you'll, you'll see it again in some way if you pay attention, like it's going to resurface yeah. somehow in your life. And I love, I love well, nothing, that that's been nothing, happening. Yeah, well, nothing you learn goes to waste. It's always put to good use at some point. So right. it's always good to be learning and pushing yourself and doing new things. And even if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. Eventually, you throw things, something will stick. So. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just so curious to see where everything goes and like the different like people in the industry, like just what it's going to become. It's 
it's so new and it's just so exciting. And for me, I mean, I'm not even in a place where it's like legal yet. So I can't like go to events. Yeah. I can't do, do those things, um, you know, yet. And I don't really think that that's where I'll be anyways, but uh, I just, I think it's yeah, so you're, cool you're... what everyone's doing. Well, the things that you're doing too, is it's good because it's kind of a way to kind of bridge between one way to another. Like eventually you'll be able to, um, do that, you know, get into the cannabis, but for now you can talk about it in your own way and you have this, what you're doing is sort of more conversational and, and helping people and building, you're yeah. building something right now. You're building an audience. So wherever you take that audience, it will be interesting to see too. And you could take that and they'll follow you every, anywhere, I'm sure. So. That's and so that's interesting. Like, Yeah. That just goes back to that skill set, too, because I've always been like a connector. I mean, it's tattooed on my body. Mm-hmm. I have a symbol of that because I've always just wanted to connect people with the right people, even if it's not me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it's funny that that's yeah. kind of like how all this kind of came to be. I hadn't really put that into perspective until just right now. But, yeah, that's really, <laughs> really funny because mm. I've never been like it has to be me. I just want people to find somewhere where they can just kind of like feel encouraged and supported and and things like that. Mm. That's just very in heard. And I think that's why the podcast developed, you know, as, as part of the reason of that, because there's just so many people that have so many like interesting stories. Like I wouldn't have known any of that, you know, about you um, just from your, the weed mama side about your, your childbirth and, and, and all of that and the recovery. Um, I wouldn't have known in yeah. detail had we not had this opportunity to talk about it. So I'm really thankful that you shared that. Well, I've been really, looking really for a way to talk so. about it, but I never had a way. I I didn't really want to put it on my blog. It just felt mm, like I don't know. Somehow, doesn't quite fit. So it's nice. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about it. Oh because, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I've been wanting to tell the story, just to, to to get it off my chest, but it also to, you know, hopefully if somebody's listening, I just want somebody them to know like follow your gut like you know mm-hmm. you know the right thing to do you do you do and you know if you if you do it's okay to say no I want this it's okay you know yeah that's that's intimidating for a lot of people I mean myself included it is well um, when you're doing so doctors too you don't want to go against what the doctor's advice is because what if they're right I mean, they're the doctor they're the one with right. the expertise you're not right so you kind of have to weigh the options see what with me um she was just, I mean, I could have had the C-section. It wasn't, you know, it was the right thing to do for me, but she was sort of encouraging me in another way, but I could have said no, but there's, you know, there are more difficult decisions when it comes to like with the blood pressure medication that they were going to give me. I wasn't sure what the right thing to do was there, but my gut said, don't do it. Then they later said I didn't really need to do it. And it's like, you know. Yeah. So yeah, kind of know real quick. Yeah. We know instinctually what, instinctively what the right thing is to do. And I think it's important to listen to that. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. I really learned that lesson the hard way many times over. So, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, that's so valid. And so many women, people in general, just go through that. We, we doubt ourselves and we don't need to, you know, even just because, and like, I always like to say, doctors are just practicing medicine. <laughs> like they're, you know, yeah. like they're still, they're still people and you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. And they make mistakes and, Absolutely. you know, they have to learn part of their, part of their learning is making mistakes. So, 
you know, yeah. you have to. And that sucks because that could be you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And she learned from me, that's for sure. <laughs> so. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Wow, 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 wow. Was there anything yeah. else that you kind of want to discuss about that that we didn't cover? I just want to make sure that you um, get out what you wanted to get out. I don't. I don't want to press um, for information or anything no, like that. I just want to make sure. That's that pretty I, much. That's pretty much the whole story. It's just. It's been sitting in me for a while, and I just you know I talk about it, but not in detail. Yeah. And. Uh, but the details are important because. You know, it's this could happen to somebody else, and they should know. Like, I did go through this too, and you'll be okay, and you'll recover. And but when I was in the um, afterwards, so I was in a baby group online. They don't have it anymore, but uh, you probably know it was called Baby Some. Oh, it was huge. It was a big one. It was an app. Like, so it was yeah. an online baby group. I'm not sure if you remember. I think yeah, actually, I kind of do. So you could go by what month that, that you're called? pregnant. Yeah, yeah the app and tell you like what size your baby was or whatever. Yeah, and it was a huge community, and you joined in with the moms that were due at the same time as you. Yeah. And so I would go, I went in there after to look up placenta abruption. I wanted to see if any other women had gone through it, and I found quite a few, and all of them, their babies died. And that was pretty brutal. Wow. Uh, it was just, like, that's how close I came. And I just feel like I didn't respect that enough, like, how close I came to that. And how blood pressure, that's something to be really mindful of, especially when you're pregnant. Because blood, high blood pressure, it breaks down your tissue in your body. So um, that can, those kinds of things can happen. And over time, that's why people who have high blood pressure can get aortic abrupt, like, in, uh, like my dad. That's how I am. Einstein died was an aorta tear and heart attacks and strokes and these kinds of things because it just degenerates your tissue. So these kinds of things are important when you're pregnant to be mindful of and to be respectful of and, and take it seriously is what I want to say. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't really take it that seriously and I really wish I had because I just didn't know I was ignorant and nobody, the doctors didn't know. They, they were. But people don't talk about it. So you wouldn't know. I mean, yeah. you don't, you have, yeah. that's when you have to go off those feelings that you're having. Cause you don't know. Cause no one's warned you yeah. or talked to you about the. So you don't yeah. learn all that stuff until after you go. Right. The thing, and then you <laughs> talk to other doctors and then they tell you, and it's like, well, gee, I wish I had known before I would have been like on it more, but cause I should have been resting more. I should have had, you know, <clears throat> it, a lot of things, a lot of shittas, <laughs> but we yeah. can't talk about the shittas anymore. It's That's just, right. It is, it is what it is, but hopefully somebody else listening, if they go through that, then, you know, they'll know that if you do have blood pressure, do, do take it seriously. And if you're, you know, pregnant, you, you want something done and it's in your heart and you know, it's the right thing, then you should follow it. So, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so that was a very difficult time. But a lot of that gave me so much strength I didn't even know I had. I mean, I went through, I almost died. And my son right. almost died. And uh, I fought back. Like, I fought every day to come back from that, to to walk every day around the neighborhood, it, just to, to get my strength back. And I remember my daughter was three. And I'm like, 
look, I made it the whole block. And she'd be like, yeah, mommy. And I had the baby with me. And it was just, I remember thinking, you know, I wish I had a nurse <laughs> with me. Yeah, but those just moments, how, like, so deserve but, to be celebrated. But like, I that's a big deal. Like, yeah, I fought through it, and I fought through it. And I, I, I've been waiting to just walk farther than I could every day, like, farther than I could walk with the day before. Because I, when I was with my daughter, part of my exercise, I just take the stroller and I go walk for miles a day. Like I would just, because I live in a neighborhood, you can walk around. There's a lot of shops and things. So I know yeah. I could walk for several miles with her in the stroller. And I couldn't do that at all until at least six months after I gave birth. And I could finally walk oh a little far, a, much farther. Yeah. So it was a long haul. But would you can did did you consider yourself to have like postpartum? Would you say that, or was it just something different altogether? It was different altogether, because yeah, it sounds like it. That's what I was just trying to like. Because my daughter, you know, I did before I had my daughter. I I was worried about postpartum because I have anxiety and I've had depression issues before in the past, so I knew I was high risk. Mm-hmm. So I told my um my uh midwife about it and he said okay well we'll set you up with the there's a mental health unit in the the women's hospital here for when you give birth and so we'll set you up with a consultation so then I'm in the system so if I have to go and use the resources after I'm I'm there you could use it so I went in for my consultation and the doctor's name was Miss was uh Dr. Misery her name was Dr. Misery and that's she not just, even right. Like wrong profession. <laughs> yeah, her name was Dr. Misery, and she could not look more bored when I was telling her because I was, I was anxious. So I was doing anxious things, or I was telling things that don't really matter. I hate to laugh. I'm sorry. It's yeah. very ironic. Oh yeah, it is. But so she's she's sitting there looking bored as fuck, and and <laughs> practically rolling her eyes like, oh, another one. So at the end, she's like, listen, I'm not here. To give you any kind of therapy I'm just here to assess you you have generalized anxiety panic disorder and uh, I can set you up with the with the therapist after if you need it and blah 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 she's like here buy my book that's what she said no <laughs> like, oh my yeah I'm like God. yeah I don't want your book thanks no yeah and oh thankfully gosh. I didn't need Shut it that up your ass like <laughs> exactly so mm. yeah Dr. Misery <laughs> so I um after I gave That's birth I, <laughs> so after I gave birth so I, I had I had anxiety and I had some issues but not really because I just loved having my baby and I, I think I had the I was in mom role, mom mode so I had those yeah. things but they weren't like what I expected I was worried about it so I never did get the postpartum depression I was worried about them with Dylan, and I I didn't with him either. And there was something about having children that kind of corrected a part of my brain that had always been struggling. And I still struggle. Like, it's still there, but it's different. It's different now is what I'm trying to say. So I didn't okay. have that that issue. I did have other issues, but I did Different in meeting. what way? Well, like, just your a focus is just and not, yeah. It was feeling. You didn't have time to think about you. <laughs> I didn't have time to think about anything. I was in postpartum hell and I was just trying to make everything work. And, and I cried a lot. Like I had a lot of breakdowns. I, I was in, mm-hmm. I was in hell. <clears throat> and I, then I saw a therapist. And so my therapist, I think there's a pattern in my life here. So my, 
my therapist was, was an older woman. So she, I think she was in her seventies and it was for a place that um, put you on a sliding scale. So I could only had to pay $25 to see her. So okay. I could see a therapist. Um, so she was a volunteer one. So she was much older. So just talking to an older woman was enough, I think, because you get that oh, age. Oh, that's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love and she that. Was, she was stern, but loving. And so she would say much things appreciated. like. appreciated. Yeah. She was, you know what you got to do? You got to put all that stuff, like put it in the trunk of your car and just shut the trunk down and you don't even look at it. She does not believe in going into the past and. Like, and then the Buddhists say, don't turn, I think it's Buddhists, they say, don't turn old stones over in your mind. Like, mm-hmm. it's best not to revisit certain things. And other therapists will disagree. They'll say, no, you do need to talk about those things. But yeah, she her her approach was to not really do that. Was you could talk about it, but let's not dwell there. Let's talk about now and how we're going to work with now. So she helped me really focus on uh, thinking differently and what was really nice about seeing a therapist is to have somebody on team me, you know, somebody cheering me on, somebody who's looking out for my best interest because everyone else is always looking out for themselves around you or their, or the kids or they have their own problems, you know, and you don't want to dump your problems on other people, but here's somebody who's actually listening to me and helping me. And she's like, what are we going to do for you, Shannon? I mean, what are you going to do? And I thought, I've never thought about it, you know, like that. Yeah. Like, what, hadn't even crossed my mind. mind. <laughs> yeah. To, 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 do I like put myself help put myself first and take care of myself before everyone else? I mean, I do to an extent, but not really. I always feel like I should be letting other people. I've always had that kind of step side step to the side and let them walk past, you know, kind of a thing. Whereas no, me, I walk forward and I walk straight this time. So she kind of gave me that courage to do that, and so it was. I she was good that. that in that way too. Yeah. Yeah. She came to you at like, or you guys found each other at the right time when you needed to hear it in that way too, you know? Yeah. I love when that happens. I saw her, yeah, I saw her for like two years almost too. That's great. So that helped. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> now um, for self-care, it's, you know, you're getting back into doing stuff for yourself, making sure that you take the time and the accountability obviously comes with the um, – Get Fit Mama um, program that you're mm-hmm. doing, and I'll, I'm going to put all that information um, out with this episode as well if anyone wants to follow along or, or see what you're doing to um, join in and, you know, <laughs> be a part of it as well because I think it's so great <clears throat> that you're doing that. Oh, and what you. else are you doing for for you? What's, what's Shannon need for herself? <laughs> I need a vacation, but that's not coming. So basically <laughs> – Cannabis is my vacation. I basically, the kids go to bed and I do weed. And, you know, we yeah. play Diablo and we, we go into our own little world. And that's my vacation is just then. And I'm I'm counting the days until my single school. I, I don't, right. I, hate, I hate saying that too, because this is my little boy and I get to be with him. And I, he's in his oh, little baby years. Oh, it's going to be such an adjustment, but... Yeah, yeah. And, and I also don't want to wish those years away. Like, I don't want to wish that away. Like, I want him to be with me. He's going to grow up so fast, and mm-hmm. there's that side of it. So I'm like, I have the emotional mom thing. But at the same time, just the freedom to, like, the six hours a day where I can focus on me now and and just Not rest. Stop and start. Like, 
<clears throat> yeah, yeah, like today when I, I, I felt so sick this morning and, and I thought, God, I just need a nap. Like I used to go to bed and lie down, but I can't, you know. You, mm-hmm. women, you moms, we just can't take care of ourselves. We never get to. It's just go, 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 right. go, and you never get to feel better. So, yeah, yeah. so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> you, you put it really perfectly um, the other week when we were talking, and it was just like you just feel like you're like a caged, like, racehorse. Like you have so much things yeah. that you want to do, but you can't do it yet. So it's just kind of like waiting yeah, and trying I feel to be like, present and enjoy the time, but you have so much mm-hmm. you want to do. <laughs> yeah, so. it feels like I'm I'm – I'm being, I'm tied down basically. It's kind of how it feels like, it's like I'm held back, not held back, but it's, yeah, it's like I'm in, I'm in the stall, I'm in the corral, I'm in the space, so I'm ready to go, ready to go. Yeah. I got to go now, got to go now, you know, because I see these things speeding past me and I feel like I'm losing out on opportunities because I can't, right. I have to turn down a lot of industry events and I get a lot of invites that I have to turn down and I just can't go, you know, and yeah. It's hard, especially when other people, they don't have kids, so they don't get it. They don't understand, like, how it is. So, you know, it's I don't want to have to explain. It's just how it is for me right now. And I can't, I just can't go. It's like, oh, you know, this, this big event is coming. Are you going? And it's like, I can't. How am I going to get a sitter? It's right in the day. I can't bring my son, you know. There's, yeah. So there's a lot of different things like that that I have to turn down. And, and I can't keep up with social media or my website or the blog the way I want to. Like, I'd love to right. be putting out content every day. I I feel like I'm half-assing a lot of things and cutting corners just for time's sake, like, just so I can get it out there. And I'd love to put more It does not come off that way it. at all. <laughs> well, I'm glad. But it's just, no. you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I am because I can't do as much as I'd like to do. So that'll change. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, I, I have some uh, – women other women in the industry too I've been talking to and they're like you know take your time don't worry it's just enjoy this part like don't worry don't worry and so I'm trying to but at the same time you feel the pressure to like you know yeah it's hard to not feel competitive too I mean I was intimidated by you for a very long time until we finally like we worked on that collab together I was I was like wow we're both trying to do like such similar things we came up around the same time like our kids are around the same age like we just had a lot of like similarities and I was intimidated by that, but then when, like, we kind of got to know each other and stuff, I was like, now you're just, like, such an ally for me. Like, I'm like, you know, you give me the good advice, and we can kind of, like, encourage each other back and forth. So it's really, really cool to see that relationship unfold for me. It's been really, really good. I've had women contact me privately and tell me that they were really jealous and that they're trying to work through the feelings of jealousy it was strange to hear being on the receiving end. Um, And, uh, and, but I would say to them, you know, we're all doing different things. Like everyone has their own approach and everyone, people that like your approach are going to go to you. And the people that like your approach are probably not going to like my approach. So we all have our own audience and you just find your audience and talk to them and don't worry about what other people are doing. Cause it's all right. just, just be a happy family right now because that's where we're at and we can do that and yeah. be very supportive. And, and you, what you're doing is completely different than what I'm doing. Right. Um, so it's, you know, and there's like, there's um, the mommy Jane, you know, she's pretty big out there. And then before her it's stoner mom. Now that's the, yeah. probably the closest to me. Like I, I didn't even know about her 
until I had already started designing my website and was going in. I'm like, because I purposely didn't look. I just wanted to do my own thing and not be, and not be um, distracted, I guess. But normally, yeah, so finally I, I, I went, so finally I went and looked up other people who were doing similar things. And then I saw the stoner mom. I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> she's doing yeah. exactly what I'm doing. Okay. So now I've got to make sure that I'm not doing anything that's like her because she's been around since 2014 and, you know, she's got her, mm-hmm. she's quite established. She's one of the first ones I think to do this. Yeah. And, and I like what she's doing, um, but she has a different approach too, but it is similar. She also lives in a, in a legal state and she has the products and she's, you know, yeah. been doing this a lot longer. So it's a little different. So again, she has a different audience, a different approach. And so mm-hmm. we're all doing our own different things. And yeah. Um, so that was, that was, the, that was the one that I, I looked at and I, and I was feeling intimidated by because she is so um, polished and, and she has a pretty good established business going and I even wanted to change my logo color to pink and I think hers is too and I'm like oh man okay well gotta keep it green now because <laughs> I don't want to look like I'm copying her because I'm really not like I, I wasn't right at all. yeah but she, oh no I don't think very, so yeah yeah but she's very similar so anyway I really like what she does and, um so yeah so I just don't feel like I don't feel the competition myself I feel like it's I feel like we're we can all we're all kind of in this family that's how it feels to mm-hmm. me. Like no, it's, it, it, it's become that for me. Yeah, I yeah. was saying like when yeah. I first started, it was just like, what is this? What am I trying to do here? I knew I wanted yeah. to do something, but what was it? How do I get heard but be authentic? You know, all those different things that you do when you're trying to, like you said, build your audience or relate with someone or, or all those different yeah. things. It's just very different. But I learned very, very quickly there's lots of room at the table for everybody. Like you said, everyone's got their yeah. own their own approach, their own thing that they're about, you know, um, and cannabis just happens to be one of the threads through all of it and motherhood through mm-hmm. some of them. And um, it, it just well, allows for the community to grow really, really nicely. There are so many moms doing this, but everyone's doing it <laughs> yeah. in a different way. And so it's, it's, it's for me, like I planned this out for a long time. I, I've had journals of, of, ideas and how the website was going to be and exactly what I was going to write about and everything. Um, And then I, so I did all that. And then once I went onto Instagram and then I started to see, Oh, that's when I really changed my approach because I started to get real feedback from my, my audience. And Mm -hmm. that, I think that was a really good thing starting on Instagram for that reason, because then I was able to mold the website differently. I had, I changed directions after because then I saw, okay, I can't do that. I got to do this. And yeah. And so you find a way to make it your own. And yeah. Then you start to see, mm-hmm. well, you start to see what people like about you and what you say. And so then you tailor your content for that. So that's a new right. thing too. Yeah. Right. I love that. I love that. I'm glad that we got to talk about that because <laughs> I've wanted to tell you that for a long time that I was like, I used Aww. to like just, I was so intimidated, but so impressed at the same time by you. And I just, I'm glad that I got to tell you See, that. that <laughs> people say that and I'm honestly baffled by it. Like I don't see and it. Like I, it's I, for I'll me tell you why. I, it's because you're so put together because you have such, you have the education when you write, you're very thorough. You make sure that points are made, that people understand, and you're very, very, um, it's just very, very educated and, and intelligent 
way oh, to get you. information and it's very very much appreciated um especially <laughs> for moms who don't know what they're doing <laughs> and, and yeah. want to learn like the basics without feeling stupid i mean really that's what it comes down to yeah. we want to know what we're doing well, how to do it and feel comfortable well i'm glad that's exactly what i was trying to do uh i, I think for me it's i've had many years of web writing many many mm-hmm. years of web writing and and trying to uh, take a people, client's work and their writing and, and make it digestible for the web, it has to be written in a certain yeah. way. Like it has to be scannable. People don't read text. Yeah, streamline, streamline, streamline. <laughs> yeah, you have to condense words. Uh, I find that I I ended up writing so many years, like like writing text to people in a way that I web write. And I'm like, oh, I should actually add some words in here now. <laughs> like, because I, with, you just take words out. Like you, you have right. to, it, it's a pruning process. And, and the I videos feel like I you do, kind of like, love that process because you're so good at it. Like I think well, you enjoy taken, it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's taken a long time to get to, to, get to the point where I'm doing that now because I've had a lot of practice. But the part yeah. that I don't know about is, is editing like videos and, and just using the social media, like this is all kind of new to me. I'm learning as yeah. I go. And so I would, uh, the videos, I try to get them down every night. I'm like, oh, eight. Wow, that's too many. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the eight little clips that go along. If you record a video, it's like, oh. I oh, know, hello. I'm guilty all the time. Oh. That's why I've started yeah. to put warnings. <laughs> like, here it comes. Eight. Get ready. Yeah. Well, so what I'll do is I'll just keep re-recording it until it gets down. Like, because... I'll notice yeah. people don't watch all the way through. Like you get the first half, they look at the stories, they get the first one where it's usually people swiping through all the different stories. So they're just swiping past you really. So yeah. you get those. So I don't count the number on the first slide. I count the number on the second slide as the beginning. So that means that they're actually starting yeah. to watch, right? So the second slide is the actual beginning. So that's my number. How many people are actually following through to the end? And then you can see the numbers dropping off <laughs> each slide. It's like, okay, well, how many people went to the very last? And it's usually anywhere from half until maybe, I don't know, like about two-thirds. Sometimes two-thirds will go through, sometimes only half. But So I try to get it down because people don't want to click through. I find myself doing that. There's too many little segments. I'm like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> I'll just swipe No, through. I I'm love that too, about right? you. It's, that's what I mean. You're like, you're so sensible. Like, you think about it, you know, and all that. And then there's me just, I'm on an emotional tear. <laughs> Here I am, word vomit. This is what's going on with me. Now everybody knows and we can move on. Oh, that's so well, funny. That's okay, I appreciate like that about you. Well, I don't know how much, like, it's different, right? That's just my approach and how people might not, yeah. they might listen more to what you're saying because they want to hear what you have to say. Whereas for me, yeah. I'm kind of just you and whatever. It's like, you know, I kind of just started doing little videos of me, like preparing cannabis just as a way to be like, Oh, the middle-aged mom, you know, preparing cannabis for the night. Just well, relatable. Yeah, like this is yeah. what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, and then I could talk about it too. So I use it as a teaching experience as well. Sometimes uh, I try to make it like oh. that, or or you know, it, little things like that. I but I'm, I'm just I find that too. There were some things that people really liked, and then I stopped doing. It. I'm like, oh, I need to go back to that. So I find that yeah. I get too distracted and I'm too busy and then I'm just like, eh, and then I go, Oh, I got to go back. And I'm not consistent. Consistency is pretty hard. That is what I find. And that's what 
yeah. that your audience really wants is consistency, and that's the hardest but thing. But do me. they? I don't know. Because, like, on the other, like, the side of mine that's grown, like, so organically is the Cannabis Connector. That one took off before anything because it's just information. There's, yeah. I don't ever do stories. I don't ever do anything like that. And it's not as big as Microdosing Mama is, but it grew faster than Microdosing Mama did initially, mm-hmm. and it's been consistent. Um, yeah. Without that. But, I, well, I guess it is consistency in that part. They know what they're getting, but yeah. I don't know. It's well, that's the thing. When but when I take somebody, time off, yeah. Well, Go when ahead. you're following somebody, I know that for myself. When I follow a certain person, uh, there's certain feeds that I followed on my other accounts, too, for years, I've been following them for like 10 years and, or not 10 years, sorry, Instagram's 2012. So it have been like Twitter or different ones, but yeah. you see them, you, they grow and evolve and change and that's fine. You grow and evolve and change with them, but then they, they do something, they start to become inconsistent, they get boring and then you just stop following them. And right. so I, I think about that. I'm very conscious of that too. When I, when I do my work to just, not be too self-indulgent and to try and be consistent because, mm-hmm. it, but it's hard. It's hard, especially on it social is. media because you're tempted to kind of do like certain things and you got to realize you got to dial it back a little bit. And then yeah. too, it's like when to take a risk, when do you take the risk to sort yeah. of bold moves, right? It's important to make bold moves, but yeah, it's all very hard. <laughs> yeah. Hard to you have one to be methodical about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it so is. It so, so is. Oh, gosh. I could talk to you all day. I don't want to take up all <laughs> your time, but um, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and your story a little bit more and just being able to talk through some of these issues uh, person to person versus text to text. So I really appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. <laughs> I, so I always say, God, I wish she lived closer. I would just go over to her house and be like, let's talk. Well, do you want to go through the 10 questions that I do? Are you up for it? Sure. Okay. Um, the first one is, what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Mm-hmm. Probably fuck. It's a multi-purpose <laughs> word that is, it's just this, yeah, it's a good multi-purpose word. I like that one. Fuck. Oh, that and, it, and you can add on to it too. Fuck face. <laughs> fuck nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you turn it into an adjective, fucking. So many, it's yes. perfect. So many opportunities. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. What's your least favorite word? Oh, um, oh, I have a word, and I can't think off the top of my head right now. But it's something my husband says all the time, and it bothers me. But why can't I think of it right now? <laughs> blank. I'm sorry, I'm blank. All right. No, that's okay. If it, it comes back to it, it'll yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Um, oh, what? okay. I found oh. it. I found the word smegma. Oh, even saying it, I hate that. What word. is it? I hate to have you say it again. Smegma. <laughs> what style is that? <laughs> oh, it's what? What? I don't know if it's the actual term, but it's my my husband calls like that stuff that builds up under the rolls of fat. <laughs> <laughs> so disgusting. Oh my gosh, I've never heard that. Yeah, that's a yeah, good it, one. That one, those two words get to me. <laughs> I, I gross out really easily. <laughs> oh, that is funny. I'm sorry I made you say it more than once. <laughs> that's all right. 
Uh, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Oh, good art. Nature, yeah. seeing something in nature, and really good art, really good film, really good music, especially music. I tend to, I listen to headphones every single night. I'm probably going to be mm-hmm. deaf by the time I'm 60 because I, I listen <laughs> to it for hours every night. But uh, I, I, I just love music. Music is a driving force in my creativity, for sure. That's really pretty. What turns you off? Off of, like. Just in general, like what's something that just turns you off? Like if this happens, you're like, no, this isn't, this isn't um, for me. Um, I, I don't like belligerent ignorance. Willful ignorance really turns me off. People who are just happy to be ignorant and, you know, not learn and not try to, it, it just, Yeah. I have a hard time and I'll just immediately shut off and walk away. I can't deal mm-hmm. with that. And cruelty. so smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cruelty really turns me off too. Yeah. What? Um, I already know the answer to this one. What's your favorite curse word? <laughs> well, that would be fuck and all of the <laughs> variations of it. <laughs> Actually, I like, it's not true. I like all curse words equally. There's a lot of good ones. And, I'm, I'm, cunt is one that I love to use as well. And I don't care if people say we shouldn't use it because I'm perfectly No, that's so funny. I actually have a problem with people. That was their answer too. <laughs> I, yeah, I have a problem with people telling me I shouldn't use that word actually. Like, pardon me, I'm right. dick. Dick's a good one. Yeah. Dickhead, <laughs> cocksucker. <laughs> yeah, lots of just words. different variations <laughs> that we can like. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you got to get creative. That's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Uh, my children laughing. Yeah. That makes my heart sing. For sure. I love that. How old's your daughter? She's eight. She's and my eight. son is and, four. Oh, oh, my gosh. My kids are eight and four, too. That's so wild. <laughs> I thought that they were really close. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What um what sound or noise do you hate? Nails done chalkboard, like that kind of screechy noise, it actually causes mm-hmm. me physical pain. Like physical pain. Really? Yeah. And people who click their nails. Um, because it's like my mom used yeah. to do that when I was little. They they kind of click their nails at their side. And, oh <laughs> that gets to me too. It irks you, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, sensitive. Being a sensitive person has its downside. <laughs> I guess so. No, I, there's like yeah. little noises of like there's like a constant noise going. Like, oh, I can't do it. Whatever, yeah, that irritating noises. Yeah. Mhm. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. Well. To attempt? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm at that place in my life where I can't attempt anything else. This is it. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> but, yes, you can. <laughs> but let's just say I had infinite resources and I could attempt anything mm-hmm. uh, for that. I probably want to go back into fine arts and start painting again. Really? I think, that's what I, I think so. So photography and painting, huh? How long have Some you kind been of fine arts. Yeah. Well, I, 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 uh, I've always been an artist. I went to fine arts school when I was 18 
I did mm-hmm. two years. And then I went to New York and I did um, a couple months there at the Art Students League. That was a very interesting experience. And then when I came back here, I did different things like graphic design and 3D, 3D studio. I did um, animation. I was a flash animator for a while. And so I wish cool. I, could, I still I wish I could still do that because um, Flash isn't. I don't even haven't used that program. I don't even know if it's still around. But I I haven't used that program in like eight years. But I used to be really good at it. I did um I did an entire for the hospital. I did uh, Flash animated education segments. So I would have to take the it was for wounds too. God, that was gross. So I'd have to do about wound care. Um, and for pay, for nurses to learn how to take care of wounds, and so I would have no to do way. yeah animations for it, and it was this pilot project they were doing, and they really liked um, my approach, but that ended up getting canceled like all things do around here because budgets. But yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that. That is wild. That's design, really cool. In my early yeah. days of web design, I just did Flash, and I had this whole elaborate. Because this is back in 19, or no, 2003. So I used to do goth websites and bands yep. and stuff. And so I did this goth clothing line. And uh, I did, I love that site that I did. I spent hours, hours in Photoshop creating, so cool. creating like these uh, scenes. Like, and I'd have bats flying out and I had spiders crawling up the screen. I had like, Oh, it was cool. It was so much fun doing that. And then I ended up going corporate and doing boring old sites. But Yeah, that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it started. You always though. think so like I'm you like, have a cool I'm... title, but then you don't really get to do anything fun. <laughs> when you well, all the, see, I used to do a lot of really weird art. Like I used to do a lot of dark stuff when I was okay. younger. And a lot of that stuff I see now is like in the cannabis community, I'm like, these were my people all along. Like, yes. <laughs> this is my own, like, oh, I wish I'd had Instagram back then. Jesus. I could have done a right? lot. Like, you know, but it was just me on my own. You're lucky if you could get it in a gallery or a coffee shop somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. Um, what <laughs> profession would you not like to attempt or to like oh, do at all? Jesus. Anything that has to do with any kind of accounting or numbers, I, anything like that, I am just, really. I it, ha, it has to be creative, or I can't do it. And I used to do bookkeeping, actually. That's so funny to me because you always know numbers, you always know dates, you always like you have such <laughs> like that's so funny to me that you wouldn't want to do numbers because you always have like well, you're very like statistics, like in information. It's just funny. Well, to that's me. looking stuff up and just kind of you know like looking Absorbing things up it, yeah. and, but I also have my husband with me too like he's he knows everything oh god he teaches me a lot of stuff and I'm not just about cannabis boy everything like physics yeah and you know he's a nerd like he he talks about he'll teach my children science about you know the planets and how how rocket fuel works and projection and all these different things I'm like huh yeah <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about like I feel really yeah. stupid you know but I, I don't have that kind of uh, a brain <laughs> like I don't I'm not I don't have a brain for numbers or math or anything I just okay but I'm good with patterns and I'm good with with seeing patterns that's a big thing for me but yeah so I anything to do with any that kind of thing is very dry for me I need some kind of creativity 
Is your husband creative too or no? Or is he just very like analytical? Yes. He He's both. But he was in film school. So he, he did film okay. and he was in film school in New York when I was doing the art. That was a really cool experience we had. You guys are just really nice. cool people. <laughs> oh, thanks. That was nineteen ninety five. No, you should hear my husband's stories. I'm boring. Like he's he's got all the interesting stories. He oh knew he knew he knows I'm like How, what you know them like because he grew up in Kitsilano so he grew up in the city and mm-hmm. and he knew he knew a lot of different people he knew some of the um he had Rastafarian friends who taught him about it and that he had uh like real Rastafarian oh. friends and he had um what were they called oh that they just did a documentary about it on Oregon in the Oregon kind of cult the guy uh-huh. who. I forgot the name. Um, anyway, he he had some friends, and uh, in there, and so um, what were they called? Anyway, he he's known a lot of different people, and he's done a lot of different things, and he's he's just like that. He likes to understand people. He likes to understand how the world works. So he's taught oh, me a lot. I love that. Yeah, I love that so much. Wow. Well, we'll have to have him on in season two. <laughs> <laughs> bring him back bring y'all both back you guys can talk stories I love that I love that so much all right and then this is our last question before we wrap up um mm-hmm. if heaven exists what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gate way to go <laughs> good job <laughs> yeah you did what you were supposed to do good for you yeah I think right I don't know actually I haven't thought about that I don't really believe in God, but if there really was, it would probably be something like an accepting me and that, that I did, I did good work, you know? Yeah. Just and validation for what you've, what you've done. Well, especially for my children. Like I really want to make sure I raised them well. And, and mm-hmm. that's my, they're, they're, the, they're the most important things to me. Right. Everything about them. Awesome. Yeah. They've got a good mama. Instagram's got a good weed mama. <laughs> We're going to oh, get fit you. mama. We've got all these <laughs> things that you're doing, and I'm so excited to know you and to be um, in your company and, and to be in this industry oh. with you. It's been a lot, a well, lot of fun you. getting to know you. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, you were one of the first people I feel like, oh, I've got to talk to her. I, there was all these different people, and you were the one that stood out. I just like the way you wrote things. You, you stood out to me. And Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, and the only thing was I thought you were Canadian. So I'm like, oh, I should get together. Like, I had this idea of doing something around when legalization. Oh, I should get her. And I'm like, oh, wait, she lives in Texas. Oh. But, yeah, it's so funny. But I, um, I get yeah, mistaken for of... Canadian all the time. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that. Yeah. I guess it was those years of living in Minnesota and Michigan and all that where I'm, I'm a northern kid at heart. So. Yeah. Well, can, Canadians are very kind of laid back and, and that you have that laid back vibe too. So that's probably why. Well, I really appreciate that. I'm glad that <laughs> we found each other then and that I can't wait to see and work on more projects together in the future. It's, it's going to be a lot yeah, of fun. Me too. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully you. you can get a little bit of sleep. <laughs> yeah. I'll get sleep. <laughs> at some good, point. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Go take a bath and listen to your death metal and, and clock out. <laughs> I will. Okay. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Shannon. Bye. Okay. Bye.
If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. For more content, follow along at havetheconvo.podcast on Instagram or email me at havetheconvo at gmail.com to share your story. Till next time.